Welcome to services from Winfield Free Will Baptist Church, located in Winfield, Alabama, where we believe the fullness of God is real in our lives. We appreciate you listening and pray that you'll continue to do so and that God will richly bless you and touch your life through His Word. This week, we're in Fall Revival with special guest Brother Adam Smith with New Liberty Free Will Baptist Church of Fayette, Alabama. Now, let's join Pastor Kent Nelson as we welcome Brother Smith. Well, it is our first service of Revival. And uh, we were having a prayer time this morning in uh, my Sunday school class, and I reminded uh, my Sunday school class that uh, whenever it comes time for revival, I think a preacher, a pastor, ought to pray sincerely uh, for God to lay somebody upon their heart. Amen. Don't you believe that? Uh, I believe it's not just a matter of, let me look into the preacher directory and let's pull out a good name there. That's not what it's about. Um. I think a pastor, spiritual leadership, should pray and ask God to lead uh, and and to guide. And I remember having having wanting to do revival once we got back into our our building here and just felt like that would be the most appropriate time and began to pray as I saw uh, that day was quickly approaching, that we were getting back into our sanctuary. And as I continued to pray, the Lord just kept bringing uh, Adam Smith to my heart and to my, to my mind, a couple times I said, no, Lord, surely not that guy. No, 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 no. No, I'm just kidding. Love Brother Adam dearly. I've had a chance to work with him as a part of our association and been at retreats with him in April. I remember we were at the minister's retreat four years ago, and April said, have y'all went and got rolled ice cream? He's talking to me and my wife, Gina. And I had never had rolled ice cream before in my life. Have you ever had rolled ice cream? It took somebody from Fayette County to show me what rolled ice cream was about. And so we went into that place that had rolled ice cream, and we enjoyed it. Uh, lots of good memories with Adam and April. We're so thankful God has sent them our way for our revival. So he's a pastor at New Liberty Free Will Baptist Church over close to Barrie in Fayette County, and it's our privilege and honor to have him as our evangelist for the week. Will you do this? Will you welcome him to Winfield Free Will Baptist Church? We'll be here this morning. Brother Adam, you come. not my handkerchief. <laughs> well, good morning. morning. Glad to be here with you guys this morning. I'm excited. Uh, I told Brother Danny a while ago, I said, I'm a little bit nervous. If you don't get nervous when you stand up and preach God's Word, there's something wrong with you. But there's, sometimes you're a little more nervous than others. I got a few butterflies, but if I can get them, if I can get them flying in formation in a little bit and preach, we'll be all right. I do appreciate the opportunity to be here, appreciate the confidence that your pastor placed in me, and uh, love the opportunity to come up this way, not too far, but to preach a few guys, share what God lays on my heart. Um, I hate that we didn't get to see Miss Barb this morning, Uh, praying for her, hope she gets feeling better, she's a sweet, precious lady, and uh, my wife just loves her to death, and she's tickled to death to be sitting beside Brother Danny and Miss Karen there, she loves Brother Danny to death, she loves to aggravate Brother Danny more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but uh, I'm thankful for, for him, too. Uh, he's a, sort of a pastor's pastor, and I appreciate that. Um, I've, had a, I've, had, I've been praying about this, about what to preach, and you're always worried about that you're going to preach the wrong thing. Of course, I don't know that you can necessarily preach a wrong thing if you're preaching uh, the gospel, but you want to preach what the church needs to hear. And kind of what has been on my, my heart uh, 
I've been, I've been thinking about heaven a lot. He talked to you this morning about uh, how Christ has changed you. He's changed you for a particular place. He's changed our destination. We're headed to heaven. Can you give me, since you're sitting there, can you give me a D? I got some of those in school. <laughs> this song come on the radio as I was coming home from Jasper the other day, and I'm going to try to sing it. I, 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 don't, I don't sing acapoco very much, acapella, that is. But uh, I'm going to try it because I don't know how to play it just yet. It's called I Know What Lies Ahead. You ever heard it? I heard the Oak Ridge Boys sing it, but then I found out this morning that Charles Johnson and the Revivers sang it. Now let me tell you something. Anything Charles Johnson and the Revivers sing, it's good. <laughs> this road I'm on is straight and narrow, but it leads to a better home. It was laid by Christ one day at Calvary while he suffered all alone. This road may lead over many high mountains and valleys dark and low. But I'll walk each day with sweet assurance that I'll safely reach my goal ahead. There's joy and gladness and rest for my weary soul ahead. There's peace and contentment. Everybody will be happy and whole. I'll be at home with Jesus where no tears will ever be shed. Though often this road gets rough and rocky, still I know what lies ahead. While on this road I get so weary and often my feet would stray. But a gentle hand still leads me and helps me find the way. As I climb each hill and cross each valley by His hand I'm daily led. And I won't look back, I'm going to keep on walking, for I know what lies ahead. Ahead, there's joy and gladness and rest for my weary soul. Ahead, there's peace and contentment, everybody will be whole. And I'll be at home with Jesus where no tears will ever be shed. Though often this road gets rough and rocky, still I know what lies ahead. What lies ahead is heaven, church. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a place called heaven. Let me tell you something. If a Christian can't get excited about a home in heaven, then we can't get excited about anything. And I believe we ought to be excited about the hope of heaven. And when I say hope, I don't mean like I hope I'm going. I mean a hope secure. We have a hope because Christ has made a heaven for you and I. And He wants us to dwell there with Him. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, turn to the book of John chapter number 14. Now this is a very familiar text John chapter number 14, verses 1 through 6, the title of the message this morning, A Place Called Heaven. Are you ready to go? 
Now, I'm not getting up a load right now, so, but are you ready to go? And what I mean by that is if you give your heart to Jesus Christ, is He your Savior? Have you, been, have you been washed in the blood of the precious Lamb so that you are ready and fit for heaven? If you are, say praise the Lord. Now, y'all can get excited. It'll be okay with me. I know Alabama, I think they lost, and I don't know Tennessee may have lost. and Somebody won somewhere, but guess what? We're winners. John chapter number 14 and verse 1. Would you stand with me in reverence to God's word this morning as we read these few familiar verses? Jesus is saying to his disciples, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and you know the way. And Thomas saith unto the, unto the Lord, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Dear blessed Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we bow before you, Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the hope that we have in heaven. Lord, we're so thankful that victory is yours. Lord, your victory, uh, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, Lord, and you've made it possible that when we pass from this life into the other, Lord God, there'll be no dying up there. There'll be no sickness up there. There'll be no afflictions up there. We'll be together forever in heaven with you and with all the loved ones that have gone on before us. God, we're thankful for that hope that we have this morning. God, I pray this morning that you would help me as I try to encourage the saints here this morning. I pray that you would help me to paint a vivid picture uh, for them of heaven and how beautiful that it's going to be, Lord, if they're so much so that if there's one here that doesn't doesn't know uh, heaven is their home, that today would be the day that they would accept that invitation. God, will you, uh, I pray that you would just put on my tongue the very words you'd have to be heard here this morning. I'd be behind your cross. I yield myself to you from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I just want to be your mouthpiece this morning. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it all. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. A place called heaven. Dwight L. Moody said, The thought of heaven has cheered the soul of many believers. Some say that we are fools to believe in heaven, but to deny heaven is to deny Jesus, for he came from heaven. It is, to place our departed it is the place that our departed loved ones in a cold grave. If we, it, is, it is to deprive millions of Christians of the greatest hope that they have. To deny heaven is equal to murder, for it kills hope. To thievery, for it robs joy. To slander, because it calls God a liar. Jesus said here in this text, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, you believe also in me. And he talks about in my Father's house, there are many mansions that he's going, he's going to prepare a place for you and I in this place called heaven. And he said, if I'm going and I'm working, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you so that you can be with me. Now there's a lot of people in heaven that I'm anxious to see. But there's nobody that I'm more anxious to see than my Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't wait for the day that I can look upon the face of my Savior and that I can fall down before Him and worship Him with a glorified body the way that I desire to here upon this earth. I don't know. I cry when I get excited, so I don't know what I'll do when I get there. Hopefully I can shout the way I want to. Sometimes when I get ready to shout, all that will come out is a Because I'm crying. Sometimes I ugly cry. It'll be okay. Y'all cry with me. We live in a world that does not offer 
the child of God much hope or encouragement. You look around and you see the sin, the crime, the ungodliness abounding everywhere. It's easy to become discouraged, disillusioned, and disappointed. That is why it's important for us to remember where we're going. While we're here, we need to remember who we are. We are children of the Most High God. And we need to remember and encourage ourselves with the fact that we are going to be with our Savior. Our destination is a better place than this here. We're just passing through this place. I don't know whether y'all know this or not, but an amen is good. Oh, that'll help me. I appreciate that. It's like saying sick them to a dog. Some of y'all got dogs? You sick them on somebody? It's kind of like saying sick them uh, on, on a, for a preacher. Thank you, sir. <laughs> if I have to pay for them, I'll do it. <laughs> An American tourist visited a 19th century Polish rabbi's place and he was astonished to see that the rabbi's home was only a simple room filled with books plus a table and a bench. The tourist asked, Rabbi, where is your furniture? The rabbi looks back at him and he says, where is yours? The tourist looks back at the rabbi and he says, what do you mean, my? I'm just a visitor. The rabbi looked back at him and said, so am I. I'm only passing through. Church, this is not our home. We'll spend a lifetime building a home here, building a place here, spend all kinds of money, all kinds of time invested in material things, but this is not our home. We're only passing through. We're going to a place called heaven that Jesus is working on for you and I because He desired for us to be there with Him. Philippians 3 and 20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look to for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why I would like for us to take a few minutes to look at some facts about heaven. Now I want to say up front, I don't know all there is to know about heaven. I don't know as much as I want to know. One day, we'll all know as much as there is to know about heaven. But we're going to do the best rejoicing with the Lord's help talking about this place called heaven. First of all, it is a prepared place. It is an oriental custom for the bridegroom going uh, to prepare a place for his bride. Uh, heaven is a place made by Jesus Christ just for his bride, the church. And let me tell you something. <laughs> he loves his bride. There's not a marriage ceremony that I have performed that I can recall since I've been marrying people that I've not talked about to them during their ceremony how they are supposed, the husband is supposed to love their bride. They're supposed to love their bride like Christ loved the church so much so that He gave Himself for His church. He gave His precious body all that He is, all that He was, all that He ever could be. He gave it for Jesus Christ and as a husband that's what you're supposed to do for your wife. We see in Revelation the descriptions and the dimensions of the city. Oh, to be have, to have John's eyes and to be able to see what he saw. Can you imagine? That's why some of the stuff that, that, that John would write, it just didn't, it didn't seem to make sense to us because you have his earthly eyes and he's seeing something that's so out of this world. It's so beautiful and he's trying to describe it with the limited finite mind that he has. Church, we ain't even begin to see. There, man, there are some beautiful things. I've, traveled, I've got a buddy that moved out to Arizona, and we love to go out there and travel and, and see things out there. Man, it's just so beautiful. I used to think that Gatlinburg was a beautiful place, and it's still okay. And I used to love, I go, go to the beach, and I look out there at the ocean, and I think, what is that thing right there? 
<laughs> Sorry, <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> Wasn't paying attention to it. I look at the ocean. I'll get back where I'm at in a minute. I look at the ocean and I think how big and how beautiful it is. Ice water, you know, but the beauty in it is, is that my God holds every bit of that in the palm of his hand. And do you know why it stops right there at Orange Beach, Alabama? Because God said, I want you to stop right here. He is the barrier. He sustains it all. What keeps it from washing us all away? Science? No, God. And I will go out there and we'll be going through those mountains and I'll, I'll think, man, that's beautiful. And I'll take a picture of it. I'm looking right at it and I take a picture of it and I look at my camera and I'm like, With all the technology that we've got, we can't, even, we can't even paint a picture. We can't even take an exact digital image in high definition of what God created and hold a candle to how beautiful it is. But everything here pales in comparison to His abode, which is where we're headed. It is a prepared place. It is a populated place. Heaven wasn't built just for the habitation of God. It is a city that is built for the saved by grace so that they might spend eternity there. It is a perpetual place. We learn in Isaiah 40, 145 and 13, we also know that the light of that city will never grow dim because it is Jesus Christ. The glories of that city will never fade away. These homes that we hear, we have here, they rot, they ruin, they, they are destroyed by different things, but heaven will abide unchanged throughout the endless ages. It is a perfect place. We learn in Revelation 21 and 27, Christ's perfection. To think that Jesus is preparing something that is any less than perfect for you and I is absurd. Why? Because He loves us that much. A little girl was taking an evening walk with her father. Wonderingly, she looked up at the stars and explained, exclaimed, Oh, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is this beautiful, I can't imagine what the right side must look like. Church, we're on the wrong side of heaven right now. And we look up into those sky, that sky and we see how beautiful it is. And just like that little girl, we ought to imagine if the wrong side of it looks this beautiful, what must the right side of it look like? The believer in Jesus Christ ought to be excited about the home that we have for all of eternity. It's more beautiful than anything we've ever seen here. It also is a perfect existence. We think about the trials that we have here. Kidney stones are a terrible trial. I've never had one, but I've seen my wife suffer with them like nobody's business. My mother, my mother had one here the other day. She had a big one. It was a centimeter. It wasn't no passing that thing. She had to have it taken out. I got a brother from my church. I got a picture from, of him. This man, he's a picture of health and he never gets down. His wife sent me a picture of him laid over in the chair that morning waiting on the doctor to come take him back to surgery to get that monster out of him. There'll be no more kidney stones over there. There'll be no more blindness over there. There'll be no more discrimination over there. There'll be no more looking at somebody differently because of the color of their skin over there. Because we'll all be perfect over there. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And there shall, no more, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It's a perfect existence. It is a place 
of perfect peace. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. No disturbances allowed. There'll be no rabble-rousers. There'll be no rioting. There'll be no carrying on. There'll be no selfishness. Everything is perfect existence there. It'll be perfect joy. Tears and all their causes will be banished forever. Let me tell you something. God is good here. He's good. There ain't no doubting that God is good. If you believe that, say amen. amen. God is good here. But just imagine how much gooder it's going to be over there. Oh, I want to see. Look upon his face. A widely respected man known as Uncle Johnson died in Michigan at the incredible age of 120. Perhaps his advanced years could be credited in part to the cheerful outlook and characteristics of his life. One day while he was at work in his garden, he was singing praises to God. His pastor who was passing by looked over the fence and called, Uncle Johnson, you seem to be happy today. He said, yes, I was just thinking. Thinking about what, the pastor asked. Oh, I was just sitting here thinking about the crumbs of joy that fall from the master's table in this world and how good they are. And it got me to thinking of how great the loaf of glory was going to be when I get there. The crumbs from the master's. You ever been happy? Are y'all happy now? Somebody tell your face, I'm happy. I promise I'm happy. It pales into comparison about how much joy we're going to feel over there. He said, I tell you, sir, there will be enough for everyone and some to spare up there in heaven. It's a place of perfect service. There'll be no hindering of our labors there. I don't know what we'll be doing other than praising Jesus. I don't know. There may, we may have tasks. I don't know. But we'll be worshiping Jesus. And we're going to be good at it. Because it's in heaven. Some of us ain't going to be good at it because we spent time practicing here. Let's just, be the, let's just be truthful about it. We're not going to be good at it because we practice here because we really don't do all that great a job of it. I, I, read, a, I read a book called Holy Roar. Now, I'm not, I'm not a modern person and this was a modern writer, but let me tell you something. He was, he was spot on with this. Holy Roar. And it talked about the words that translate worship or praise in the Old Testament and what they meant. And I preached every one of those uh, to my congregation. And I'd love to say, I'd love to tell you that it changed our worship service, but it didn't because people, there are words that they literally mean to shoot forth the hands. To be prostrate before the Lord. There is a prescribed method, church, for the way He wants us to worship Him. We just don't do it. We just don't do it. You ought to read that book sometime. It's pretty good. Learn to read a little Hebrew. What about the people in heaven? They are redeemed people. He's talking to his disciples in John chapter 3 and said, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Only those washed in the blood of the Lamb are worthy to enter the gate. It's not because you paid tithes. It's not because you took the preacher out. It's not because you sung. It's not because you were in the praise band. It's not because you came to Sunday school. It's not because of any of those things. It's because you gave your life to Jesus Christ. It is because of His shed blood that we are able and fit for heaven. He declared us righteous. Yeah. 
There's a redeemed people. There's a righteous people. None of us are righteous because of our own efforts, but we're made righteous through His free grace. Romans 4, 24 says, But for us also, to Him it shall be imputed, if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Not only is it a redeemed people and a righteous people, it's a rejoicing people. Now you think about when John was looking over and seeing just a little bit of heaven. You think about for us, maybe you think about your family making it safely home to heaven. Or you think about the reunions that you're going to have there. Or you think about that you're going to get to go to see Jesus. Or that you're going to get to enjoy the blessings of heaven. Think about the gains that we gain because of heaven. And there'll be a rejoicing people there. Revelation 4 and 6 says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. You see how he's, trying, he's using the words that he can think of to try to describe how beautiful this place is. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. We read that. You read that as a kid. You think, well, there's beasts in heaven? Beasts, we think that's a bad thing. No, this is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful creature in heaven. And the beast was like a lion, and the second beast a calf, and the third face a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night. They rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Around the throne, there are beasts that are worshiping Jesus Christ, the righteous. Crying, holy, holy, holy. The Lamb that was, that is, and is to come. Now they're all fired up in that little circle, right? Well, then it gets bigger. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him and sit on the throne who liveth forever and ever, and the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worshiped Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So they cast everything that they had at the feet of this Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to do when we get our crown. When we get up there and we get our crown and it's all polished up, we're not going to be sitting over there. Brother, I'm not going to be showing Look at my crown. Look how pretty that thing is. I got 12. You only got three. Pretty jewels I got in my crown. We're all going to look at that crown and cast it at the feet of the Savior that made it possible for us to be there. He's the reason for the crown. He's the reason for the heaven. He's the reason for your existence. He's the reason for the joy in your heart. He's the reason for the salvation that you've experienced. He's the reason for it all. And we're going to cast our crowns at His feet when we get to heaven in an act of worship. I don't know, I don't know if one time will be enough. I may have to go get mine and throw it again. When you think about what God's done for you, is one crown cast at His feet going to be enough? I, like, I, love, I love the McCamies. And I love to hear Peg, Sister Peg get excited. And they were singing that song, Bless the Lord. 
Bless the Lord, oh, bless the Lord, oh, bless His holy name. Let me not forget all His benefits or the blessings that He gave. You know that song? She got a little fired up at the end and she just, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. She just kept going over and over and over. And I remember looking over at April and I said, she just can't get him blessed enough. And she looked back at me and said, could you? Could you get him blessed enough for what he's done for you? I know I can't. Why are they rejoicing? Well, first of all, because they're in the presence of Christ. All of our feeble efforts to describe that city, they fall miserably short of what the city will truly be like. But I still want to go, don't you? There's a story told of a dying man who was asked, he asked his Christian doctor to tell him something about the place to which he was going. As the feeble doctor fumbled around trying to come up with an appropriate reply, he heard a scratching at his door. And he had his answer. He said, do you hear that? The man said, yes. He said, that's my dog. He got impatient with me. I left him downstairs and he got impatient with me. And he has no idea what's on the other side of this door because he won't sin. But he won't sin because his master's in here. That's what heaven is for the believer. I don't know how beautiful it's going to be. I don't know what all we're going to do when we get there. But I know why I want to go. Because my master's there. And I know he's there because he proclaimed it in his word. He said, I'm going to prepare a place and I'm coming back after you. I want to be there with him. Look upon his face. I think about the song I heard one time. I don't like a whole lot of their songs. But the gospel plowboy sang his song. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was, it was about heaven. And one of the lines in the song, he says, he's talking about Jesus. He said, uh, he said, I knew you'd come. Jesus knows we're coming. And he asked him, he says, was it worth the wait? Some people have been waiting a long time to go to heaven, haven't they? Some have been waiting longer than others. And some people got a few more reasons to be there than others. But I can't wait till I get tired. Jesus looks at me and he says, Son, was it worth the wait? I'm going to say, Yeah, buddy, it's worth it. Can we go run and slide on that street of gold now? I don't know if I do it in my sock feet or not. I'll probably fall. We rejoice because we're in the presence of Christ. We rejoice because we're in the presence of our loved ones. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17, Paul is comforting them with these words. He says, uh, He's talking about the. Uh, the uh, the resurrection, he says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The we, that's you and I. That's going, we're going to be with our friends and loved ones. An unknown author said this, As a boy I thought of heaven as a city with domes and spires and beautiful streets inhabited by angels. By and by my little brother died. And I thought of heaven much as before, but with one inhabitant that I knew. Then another died, and then some of my acquaintances. So in time, I began to think of heaven as containing several people that I knew. But it was not until one of my own little children died that I began to think I had treasure in heaven myself. Afterward, another went, and yet another. And by that time, 
I had so many acquaintances and children in heaven that I no more thought of it as merely a city of streets of gold, but as a place full of inhabitants. Now there are so many loved ones there, I sometimes think more of the people in heaven than I do of the people on earth. The longer your life goes on, the more jewels you'll have in heaven. The more people there'll be there that you'll be wanting to go see. And heaven becomes sweeter because of all those people you're going to be rejoicing with. It's a place that is holy and it's sinless. It's a place where our burdens are lifted. It's a place of rest. It is a place of rewards. No wonder heaven is portrayed as a place of joy and happiness and excitement. There will be much to praise the Lord for when we get over there. Amen? And then there's the path to heaven. It's an obvious path. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Only those who walk this path will enter the gates of the city. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what any other preacher so-called says. My son's in college and he sent me a, a, a sheet that... Uh, uh, a thing that Lifeway and uh, Ligonier's conference get together and they do, it's kind of like the, the state of the church. I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, they do it every two years. And the facts in that thing were astounding of what so-called believers think. So-called believers, people that professed Jesus Christ as their Savior by the same way that you and I would. I read the instructions to my congregation or the prerequisite to my congregation and it fit the description of you and I, people that have professed Jesus Christ. And the astounding number of people that felt like God was honored by praises of all different gods. He's offended by praises of all different gods. There's only one God. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Father of my Savior, Jesus Christ, that sent Him to die on the cross so that I could have salvation. That's the only one. People that thought that there were multiple paths to heaven that called themselves Christians. You be careful. You need to pay attention to things like that. There's not but one way. As a matter of fact, He said it right here. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Someone has very well said, at three things shall I wonder in heaven. First, that I shall not find many there whom I was certain would be. Secondly, that I should find many there that I was sure I would not find. But lastly, and most wonderful of all, is the fact that I'm actually there myself. If you've never heard Alistair Begg talk about the man on the middle cross you need to pull that YouTube up just YouTube the man on the middle cross he talked and I'll do my best to tell you the story but he talks about they're, they're asking him when he gets to heaven why can you be here how, how, how come it is that you're here now they're not going to do that when we get to heaven you ain't going if you can't that's just the way it is so if this morning you're sitting here and you're in the can't category let me tell you how to get in the can category Jesus Trust Him as Savior. But you, he gets up there and he, he wants to know, well, why is it that you're here? Well, I was a member of such and such church. You know, all these different things that people say. At the end of the story, he says, he just simply says, that man on the middle cross said I could come. 
We're going to heaven because the man on the middle cross said that we could come. Jesus said, hey, you can go because I've paid the debt for your sins. Heaven is for real, church. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the man on the middle cross, you are on your way to heaven and you ought to be excited about your destination. We've got more reason to be excited than anybody does. And oftentimes we're the least excited. It's an open path. Acts 13, or 16, I'm sorry, verse 31, uh, 30 and 31 says, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. It's plain. It is an open path right there. Jesus is the path. When a person meets Jesus, the Lord has a way of bringing heaven into a home. One Sunday morning, a faithful Sunday school teacher was teaching her class of boys about heaven. And she asked the question, where is heaven? And one happy boy replied, it's our home since my daddy got saved. When Jesus comes in your heart, He'll affect your house. If He ain't affecting your house, He ain't in your heart. I'll say that one again. If He ain't affecting your house, then He ain't in your heart. Because Jesus affects you. A woman was diagnosed with a mental illness and was given three months to live. And she was getting her things in order and she contacted her pastor and asked him to come to her house to discuss some final wishes. She told him all the songs that she wanted him to sing, the scripture that she wanted him to use during the service, the outfit that she wanted to be buried in and requested that she be buried with her favorite Bible. As the pastor was preparing to leave, the woman suddenly remembered something and said, there's one more thing, she said excitedly. And he said, what's that? She said, this is important. And the woman said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor stood looking at the woman, not knowing quite what to say. And the woman explained, in all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners or going out to eat in restaurants, when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean toward me and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part of the meal because I knew something better was coming. It might be a velvety chocolate cake or a deep dish apple pie or some kind of cheesecake dessert. So when people see me in that casket with a fork in my right hand and they ask, what's with the fork? I want you to tell them to keep your fork because the best is yet to come. As good as life is down here with Jesus Christ on the inside, keep your fork, church, because the best is yet to come. Retirement is out of this world for the believer in Jesus Christ. Oh, what a day it's going to be when we get to heaven and we can look upon the face of our Savior. I've tried as best my feeble words as I can to describe to you how beautiful heaven's going to be. What's the purpose of that in revival? I don't know. I guess if you can't get excited about heaven, you can't get excited about anything. You think about, uh, think about when you're going on vacation. You're getting ready to go somewhere and you're all excited and fired up, anticipation, thinking about where you're going. And the kids are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
When's the last time you were so set on going to heaven that you were just like Jesus? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Desiring to be in heaven. I wonder, I don't know how y'all close things out. But this is how I want to do it this morning. I want you to, page number 700, or song number 700. <laughs> hey, man. She already had it on there. <laughs> y'all stand with me this morning. I want us to sing this song, How Beautiful heaven must be. And I want you to just think about how beautiful it's going to be as you sing these words. Really, really think about it. And worship Him for what He's done. And this altar is open to you if you want to pray. On that first verse. We Like you mean it, how beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be.
listen to this last verse. The angels so sweetly are singing up there by the beautiful sea. Sweet chords from gold harps are Thank you for your patience. You've been good listeners. I just hope that I've done my best to paint you a picture of how beautiful heaven's going to be. A place that you'll desire to go and be excited about that being your home. You've been listening to revival services from Winfield Free Will Baptist Church with special guest brother Adam Smith, pastor of New Liberty Free Will Baptist Church of Fayette, Alabama. We're located at 1960 US Highway 43 in Winfield, Alabama. We'd love to have you join us live in person if you're able. Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. each Sunday with worship services at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. with Bible study every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. If you'd like to support the ministry of Winfield Free Will Baptist Church or you'd just love to send us your questions, comments, or prayer requests, feel free to mail us your love offer or correspondence to P.O. Box 866, Winfield, Alabama 35594. You can also give by texting 256-344-3648. You can also follow us online. Just search for Winfield Frugal Baptist Church on Facebook or YouTube where we live stream all of our services. Again, thank you for joining us.